Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. It's Pharrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out of the bad seat. Rookie ain't a bad apple with a bad attitude. Hang around a bunch of bad actors, bad taste, bad luck, bad dude, bad breath, bad attention, bad vibes. We are live in the Pharrell the Palatial right across the river and through the woods somewhere. Granny just brought me a big old sack of miracle alien cookies. And I'm not talking about Oreos. Shake out. When she drinking whiskey in New York City, the big apple. Ooh. People dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion shake it up, should do but all my friends that come around, flights of flights of party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown, what a mess this town's a tad of my brains is flattered all over Manhattan, should do be shack out who it was gigging it's Pharrell with Carver High this evening. And the Yankees lead the Rays in the bottom of the eighth, five to one with two outs, two on. LeMahieu just hit a single to right. Uh, beating the shift after getting shiggy with it with an RBI single to left. Glaber Torres scored, making it 5-1 Yankees. They will, if uh, they can get three outs, force a game five tomorrow night at Petco in San Diego. If the Dodgers win tonight over the Padres, that game uh, would be at 7 o'clock, the Yankee game, because it would be the only game. If the Padres win, and they are winning 2-1 to one right now early in that game. If they win, then I believe the Yankee game is at 6 o'clock uh, in the evening. And then the other game is after that one. Is that about right, Carver High? I think that's what I, what I saw earlier. Oh, I am double-checking that now. Okay, so what would happen is, uh, based on the, the games tonight, right? So tomorrow, it, the game uh, is, right now it's scheduled for 7 on TBS. But if it, and I saw this earlier, if they win and if the Padres win, it's going to be like six and then the other game will be after that. I could be wrong, but that's what they showed in the middle of the game. We'll come back. We got a lot going on tonight. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. 
As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. So I don't even care what time the game starts. Come to think of it uh, tomorrow, uh, that game five, we'll figure all that out later. But I saw earlier that it was going to be six o'clock or something east. But then they said if they uh, if the, you know, Dodgers win, then it would be at seven. He he literally hit it to the wall for the uh, final out with the bases loaded. Hicks hit it all the way to the wall. So he almost had the over. But uh now 5-1 with Chapman going to work. We'll see what happens. And then as far as the uh, the other games that we're watching, the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Bears, believe it or not, a Jimmy Graham touchdown uh, right before the half gave the Bears the lead 14-13. That's where we stand now. A couple minutes into the third, Brady's got the pill, and uh, the Bucks are uh, moving already. Jones with a gigantic run, an absolute monster run for about 40, 50 yards right on first down. And they're in uh, Bears territory immediately. Huge run by Rojo. Uh, This guy went right off tackle and just obliterated the Bears. Uh, You know, I can't even tell you how much of a joke I think it is when I hear, like, all they sold me on today when this game started was how great the Bears defenses and how they're the number eight defense in the league. Like when you're number eight at anything, you suck. <laughs> okay. So let's get real here for a second with all this. Bears are great defensively. Have, have you seen Roquan Smith arm tackling tonight and missing tackles left and right on uh, tackles for loss? He, he twice let the uh, Jones slip right out of his hands and do whatever he wants after he had him dead to rights. If you can't make simple tackles for loss when you have the guy wrapped up and you make the hit and the guy bounces off of your tackle and gains eight, you're not a great defense. And when I just see a guy run 50 yards right off tackle on a first down play in the second half, you're not a great defense. I mean, not at all. I don't like, are you seriously afraid of the Chicago Bears defense? Is anyone afraid of the Bears, let alone their offense? I mean, seriously, Carver High, do you consider them a great defense? I, I think at times they can play uh, pretty well. Their secondary is very good. Uh, when Mac is at his best and he's healthy, they are. Uh, but there are times when, like you just said, missing tackles on that Jones play, uh, that they can fall apart. I wouldn't put them in the elite, um, you know, three to five best, but top ten, I think that they're in that. Giving a guy a 50-yard run right off tackle is all I need to know that they're overrated. (laughs) I mean, does that happen with a great defense? uh, Seriously, do you see the uh, Steelers or, you know, the Chiefs even? Because I think the Chiefs are all about Patrick Mahomes. But their defense has its moments. And, uh, you know, what defense? Like, you know, the Packers, the Seahawks, they're undefeated. They're winning. But I consider them more offensive teams. But Everybody's what defense, an offensive team now. I mean, everybody's. The best teams are offensive runs. teams. 
Look, I, I think, I mean, a lot of defenses do nowadays, especially if you look in the first five weeks of the season, four weeks of the season, offenses are ahead of the game right now. Uh, the elite defense does not exist in the NFL at this moment. Uh, there are some, obviously the Steelers have played well on D. Um, there's a couple of other teams, but the offenses are blowing the defenses away the first four weeks of the year. Do you think that uh, Brady is uh, doing a good job tonight with his 136 yards and his touchdown pass to Evans? Do you think that because uh, they just stopped him, it's fourth and seven? Do you feel that uh, Brady's having problems tonight with the Bears, or do you think he's having a good game? It seems like he—it's a little hit or miss. He's had a couple of really good drives, but now these last two, uh, the one before the half, now the fumble obviously wasn't his fault. I mean, he threw it to the guy right that play before the half where the Bears got their second touchdown. Um, you know, the guy didn't hold on to the ball. That's not Brady's fault, but he's moving them decently. But the last few drives, uh, not much to show for it. So suck up hits the field goal, 16-14 Tampa now uh, in the third quarter. And I'm going back and forth with the uh, Yankees. Now Chapman working the ninth uh, as the Rays come to bat down four runs. And I think Choi's up right now, one and two the count already. I just want to look at the uh, – there's only so much I can do, 100 miles an hour here. But the other game – is how oh, the Dodgers took the lead back. So the Padres had the lead. They can't get out of their own way. Have you noticed that? It really is unbelievable. So Grisham had singled the shallow left center. Meyer scored to make it 2-1 San Diego. Uh, earlier, Cronworth had walked. Hosmer uh, scored. That was with the bases loaded, right? So Grisham singles, gives him the lead. And then... Uh, they're up 2-1, and then in the uh, to tie it up, Seager reached on an infield single to shortstop. Bet scored on a throwing error by Tatis Jr. He also struck out with the bases loaded, I might add, Tatis Jr. And then Turner singled to left, and Seager scored to make it 3-2. That's where they are now. Top of the third, two outs, and uh, a runner at second. So the Dodgers were down. They were up early, one nothing. Then down 2-1. And now up 3-2. So just so we're clear here, they have to win San Diego tonight or they get swept. So if they lose, it's over. And then all that you're going to have tomorrow is a Yankee game. And I think what they said was 7 o'clock if no other game. So there you go. And it's just unbelievable to me, the Padres, they get a, they, you know, they get a lead and they give it up the very next at bat. I mean, like, come on. Like, they, it's like their pitching sucks. It's unbelievable to me how they can't, like, do anything right in this series. Have you noticed? All I've heard about is the Padres and, and Dodgers next year will play 19 times, whatever it is. And I'm like, what do I give a rat's ass about next year? You know, they're saying, wow, this is going to be the greatest rivalry in baseball the Padres and Dodgers. And I think the Dodgers obviously have won eight straight divisions. The Padres are just, you know, they're in their onesies. They're in their diapers. They're brand new to this. This, this is a, you know, a playoff team for the first time in forever, right? And then they finally make it, and then they come back on St. Louis to win, and they get all excited. And then they got exactly what they wanted, the Dodgers. That's who they wanted. 
That's all they wanted was to play the Dodgers. And then the Dodgers basically have kicked their ass. And I mean, last night, you got to remember what? It was, they won at 6-5, right? What was it in the ninth inning? Didn't they score all their runs in the ninth inning? They got the bases loaded and they got a few runs in, made it 6-5, and then they lost. It was 6-3 going into the ninth, and and Jansen gave up a couple runs, and they had all those runners on base. But it was 6-3 going in, ended up 6-5 the final. So do you think that the Dodgers have basically, you know, handled the Padres no problem in these first two games? Yes, I would. I think that that's a pretty good statement. I mean, even in game one, um, you know, the Dodgers didn't even have a hit the first five innings of that game, and they still were able to get a run across uh, without a hit. They're uh, they're the better team right now. This, like you said, this is the first time the Padres are in this situation. Okay, there's gonna they're a young team. There's going to be some growing pains. Um, obviously, you want to win, but they're gonna gain some experience here from a team that, let's be fair, they're the favorites to win the World Series for a reason. Uh, the, they've got the most talent out of anybody. Right. Do they, uh, going back to the Yankees, do they have, because Britain looked good tonight for the first time in I don't know how long. His sinker was just yeah. totally diving like a noodle off the, the five table. five easiest outs he's gotten all year. <laughs> I've honestly, I haven't seen him pitch that good since they got him. And And my question to you is, will he be able to pitch tomorrow and Chapman, no questions asked, in a winner-take-all game five? Or are these guys you know, shooting their uh, proverbial, you know what, on the uh, game four tonight. Like, by pitching tonight, are they still going to be available for tomorrow? No questions asked. Yeah, I I think that both guys will be available. I don't think that Britain's going to go, you know, five outs like he did tonight, but I think that you can get an inning from him and an inning from Chapman tomorrow, yes. But getting there, that's going to be the issue. All right, so uh, two outs, one and two, the count. And uh, still, it'll take a little more time. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you. Because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We're going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, the Yankees just won 5-1. to one. Chapman closed the door with a strikeout. And... Now you'll have a game five tomorrow night with Garrett Cole against Snell, probably Glasnow. They'll all, uh, you know, see some pitches, some work, some innings, whatever. Everybody's getting in on it tomorrow. But the question I have is they used Chad Green, they used um, Britton, and then they used Chapman. And so I want to see what Boone does tomorrow because Garrett Cole's got to go. No questions asked. And he's never pitched on three days rest before. If that's a fact, I don't know. That's what Carver High's telling me. And, the, and you know, 
he makes so much money now playing for the Yankees. Like, there's just no room for error. There's no room for crying. There's no room for three days rest. I don't want to hear anything. I mean, he's pitching in San Diego, perfect weather. Go out and get that money. You you make all that money. It's time to go to work and to beat those guys. Bottom line is, he's better than Snell. He's better than Glass now. Everybody knows it. Now he's got to go prove it because you know that both of those guys are really good, right? I did not think Snell pitched good in that game one at all. I thought um, I thought Glasnow pitched way better than Snell in uh, what was it game two? All I know is Glasnow was definitely on top of his stuff, and Snell wasn't. Snell struggled. He threw way too many pitches. Cole needs to go out there tomorrow and win that game. Do you think Carver Hyde that he'll actually uh, get it done? By the way, the Dodgers have now opened up a can of whoop ass on the Padres. It's six to two in the third inning, and they got a runner at second, and they're still at bat. They they were down two to one, and they've literally scored five straight runs to lead this game six to two, and the Padres are in serious trouble of getting their asses just absolutely swept by the Dodgers. And I don't really think anything could be worse for them than being swept. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, it's just the first time they've been to the playoffs. It's a it's a growing experience, learning. They have to taste the defeat before they can learn how to win and all the other nonsense you're going to hear after they get their ass beat. They need to wake up from the dead and get back in this game now or never. Because they're down four runs right now. And I'm telling you, it's only going to get worse uh, as you get later in the game with the bats uh, grabbing them tight. You know what I mean? So, Carver Hyde, go back to the Yankees. Do you think Cole gets it done against Snell and Glasnow? And you have to admit, uh, Snell was not good in game one. No, Snell was not good. And you're going to get Snell in the same situation. Three days rest, something that he is not used to doing. And he's only going to probably pitch two or three innings. The the Rays are going to piece this thing together. Uh, with Snell and Glass now, and then they have all their big guys like Anderson who have not uh, thrown in a couple of days. So you're going to get the full allotment from Tampa. Here's what I want from Cole tomorrow, Scotty. Uh, you're making your $300 million. This is why you. This is why the Yankees brought you here. A big spot where you have to win the game. I don't care if you're on three days rest, four days rest, two days rest. I don't care. You get the ball tomorrow, you get, put your team in a position to win. Um, you know, he gives up one run tomorrow, Scotty, in six innings, um, and they don't score. Well, then that's on the offense, which, as we've talked about a billion times, always seems to disappear in a big spot like this. So, Cole, go out there, earn your money tomorrow night. I don't care how many days rest you're on. That's it. Bottom line. Yeah, there's no doubt uh, tomorrow night. Do you think that he'll, like, because, you know, he still gave up home runs in that game. He did, but he's but he got it done. I'll give him that. I you know I can't bear to watch this guy go out there tomorrow night and start giving up home runs to Choi, and uh, you know more long balls. He's got to go out and not allow home runs. One hundred percent. Look, you know I can't ask the guy. Uh, it's hard because every time a guy walks on the mound, you can't say go get me a shutout. Bottom line, it, that that's a hard thing to do. Even on a guy on regular rest, you don't say, well, if you better throw up a zero tonight or the whole night. I want him to pitch well, Scotty. I want him to give this team a chance to win. I want him to give the offense a chance to score runs. 
What you don't want to see is don't go out and give up a couple homers in the first inning and put yourself in a hole early. Don't go out and, and I don't want to see four nothing Rays in the third inning. You know what I mean? That's the stuff I do not want to see at all tomorrow night. Go out, pitch a big game, which I think that he will show up one run, six innings, two runs, six innings, something like that, and let the bats do the work tomorrow night that they need to do against two guys who will also be short rest, which we Snell and Glass now, whoever they throw out there. But you need this is what the Yankee offense needs to do tomorrow, Scotty. They need to get to those guys early. Get to Snell and get to Glass now. Because if you get to the big arms like Castillo and Anderson, these guys that haven't pitched the last two days, they will shut you down in the middle and late innings. Get early runs. So get a lead. Yeah, get a lead and 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 not have to be chasing against those guys that blaze in the middle and back of that Tampa bullpen. God. Uh, so what is it? Uh, they beat them in uh, 10 of 14 now. Is that what it is? Uh, it doesn't matter because the Yankees won tonight. Like 2-2. Two, two. That's all that be- matters right now. 2-2. Two, two. That's had- it. It's 2-2. Two, two. That's all that matters because they are 10-4 and four against them this year. And that becomes irrelevant after the Yankees won the last game. Well, all that matters is they stayed alive and they won. So that's all I know. Are you surprised that uh, the Dodgers are doing this to the Padres? Did, did you think? Because, you know, like the Yankees came out tonight with a like a purpose. Like they were swinging away. They were... They were doing everything. I thought Jordan Montgomery did a nice job when he was in trouble early. Remember, he had the bases loaded or something in the second inning, and he was having problems, and he got out of that up 2-1. It could have easily, they could have easily, you know, up one hit, they're down 3-2. That could have been 4-2. Instead, he got out of that 2-1. I thought he was huge. They came out with a purpose, and I think, like, what I'm watching here, the Padres came out with, you know, they went to an all-you-can-eat buffet, and they have gas. You know, like an hour and a half after eating dinner, they're already ripping, uh, and, you know, everyone is hiding from each other because they got gas. They just don't look like a team, to me, that uh, is dealing with the desperate situation that they're in. Like, they're not doing anything. Like, they're getting their ass kicked. Are you surprised at that? I'll tell you why I'm not. Because look, look at these guys that the Padres are throwing out there. I mean, really. The, the, not having these starters has made them throw guys that you normally wouldn't see in the early innings of these games. It just has. I know they have a couple of good arms in the bullpen, but they've been having to work so hard just to get the Padres to this point. They don't have legitimate starters starting the game and throwing them, you know, four, five, six, seven innings. They don't have that. Davies did a nice job yesterday, to be fair. Davies kept him in it for a little while. Um, but they just don't have the arms, Scotty. I, I looked at this guy starting tonight. I go, they're not they're not winning this game tonight. Not with this guy on the mound. So let's, yeah. see, let's see the big slam Diego bats now here. Uh, let's see Machado and Tatis and Hosmer and Myers and all these guys. Let's see them. Show up and put some runs on the board because that's the only way they're going to win this game now. Wait a minute. We got a little fight breaking out here on the football field with the Bucks and Bears. We got uh, Jensen, the center, getting into it with two guys at once. How about this one? Second and 34 for Brady. Getting the refs involved here. Second and 34. My God. I mean, uh, Bucks are up 16-14 after the suck-up uh, field goal. I just wanted to look at this uh, college game. I don't know if you saw this tonight, Carver. I think that game was absolutely wild. 
I did uh, not see it. With everything going on, I forgot. I knew, you know, Houston Tulane. Is it still going? Do we have a score? What do we have? Yeah, Houston's up 42 to 31. Ooh, over. It's going to the fourth <laughs> quarter. But the, they were down 24 to 14. Now, I don't know what it was before that. The first time I checked in on it, it was 24 to 14, and Houston was getting smacked around. Next time I turned it on, it was 24 21. Then the next time I turned it on, it was. Uh, 28, 24, uh, Houston. So they took the lead. Then, uh, Tulane scored to make it 31, 28. And then after that, I, it was 31, 28. Now all of a sudden, uh, they've scored a couple because it's 42, 31 Houston as they go to the fourth quarter. So a wild game. And I don't know about like, so they scored a touchdown. Eight plays in 60 yards and 321. And on that play, uh, it was uh, Kyle Porter ran one yard for the touchdown, and that made it uh, 42-31. So that was their last score. And before that, they had a – I don't know what happened on this thing. Uh, A kickoff for 62 yards. And then uh, the guy, Stevenson, returned it 97 yards for a touchdown. So after Tulane went up 31-28 after their touchdown on a, on a six-play 75-yard drive, they go up 31-28. They kick off, and then the guy, uh, Stevenson, for Houston, goes 97 yards for a touchdown. Then Tulane punted, and then uh, Houston got the ball and moved down and scored again. So the uh, the kickoff return was the difference, and then they scored again on top of that. So back-to-back touchdowns, they lead it by 11 into the fourth quarter. But Tulane's given them the business all night. Remember, that line was, uh, I think it went from five and a half to six and a half before kickoff. I could be wrong, but I think it, I think that's what it was on FanDuel today when we were doing coast-to-coast. But I took Houston, their first game, they had like four or five games postponed because of the COVID, and they finally got out on the field tonight. You wondered what they'd look like. I thought they'd be ultra-hyper and ultra-lit and ultra-jacked to go out and play and take it out on Tulane based on not being able to play for the last month and a week. They basically, for five weeks, been screwed, and they finally got out on the football field tonight, and they're winning. Let's see if they can close the door on the green wave of Tulane down on Bourbon Street. They don't even want to fly home to that hurricane. We got a lot going on here. Yankees already uh, ready for game five. So I just can't even bear to really watch the Dodger Padre game because I think it sucks. I wanted to see a great game. You know, when it was two to one uh, Padres, I thought we had something brewing. And then the next thing you know, it's six to two. And that just, I mean, I hope I turn back later and it's six, five or six all, because right now I don't smell that. I just uh, sense the Dodgers are just pouring it on the Padres. And I got to tell you, um, I agree with Carver High that they didn't have any pitching when all their guys met Clevenger. I never thought for one minute Clevenger was going to last pitching with his bad arm. I don't trust anybody pitching with a bad arm any more than I trusted uh, Grinky today pitching with a bad arm. And I saw that guy, uh, you know, here, I'm going to throw you a fastball right now. And he puts up to two and he 
he knew that the guy was going to hit it out of the park, and he did. It's like he's like, here, I'm going to just throw you this fastball, and I want you to hit it out of the park. It was unbelievable to me. Loriano uh, hit two of them today, one of them off uh, Grinky. I said this on Coast to Coast. I think Grinky looks like a guy that um, – and I'm going to I'm going to add it together. Right. Carver, High. add together the fact that over his last month, let's say month of starts. Right. So over the 60 games, let's say his last four starts. Right. If you look at his last four starts and I'm not looking at uh, charts and graphs here, I'm looking at he was out there like mocking hitters and telling him what he was going to throw. He's like, I'm going to throw you a change up right now. OK, are you ready? I'm going to throw you a fastball right now. Are you ready? Like he was literally telling the batters what he was going to throw, right? And then he didn't really do anything in their first, whatever, games in the playoffs. And now today they they sent him out there. They trot him out there today with his arm allegedly being injured. And he went out there and, I don't know, was it just me, Carver High? Because I sensed that the guy was like, you know, lifeless. I'm sitting there watching going, uh, this guy looks bored to death. Like, He's not into it. Like he, he's not into it to me. Now I know he's got all kinds of issues and whatever. Uh, they've talked about his mental state and, and all of his anxieties and everything that he has. And that's fine. I'm not making light of it at all. I'm just saying he looks like a guy to me that doesn't want to play anymore. Like he's like, who goes out and, and pitches Name one guy in, in baseball that you've ever, now I'm not talking about this year, that you have ever seen in your life offer up his pitches to the, to the hitter. Name, name one guy you've ever seen say, I'm going to throw you a fastball right now. Are you ready? Here it comes. Like he tells him what he's going to throw. It's like he's disrespecting the game, disrespecting his own team, disrespecting the hitter. He's just like, I'm going to throw you a fastball. You can't even hit my fastball. Like, it's so unbelievable to me. It looks like, and then I add it all together, and then I saw the guy pitching doing it again today in a playoff game. He's a guy, in my opinion, and I, I'm I'm probably wrong. I'm sure the guy, he, maybe he loves playing, and he loves being on the Astros, and he loves his money that he makes in Major League Baseball. But Carver, you cannot tell me that that's true. You cannot tell me. I will never believe that guy is interested in pitching anymore. He looks like he's ready to go live in uh, in the woods somewhere and write a manifesto. Like, what is that guy doing? He does not look like a guy that's interested in playing anymore. You're right. He definitely doesn't look like he's interested in playing. But the one thing I will say is he's kind of always looked like that. Like, I don't think I've ever seen the dude smile in his entire – not that you have to smile, but I, I, I don't think the dude's ever looked um, – like the way you're talking, he's always looked that way, whether it be in Kansas City or, you know, L.A., Arizona. I just feel like he's always had this kind of feel to him. That's just him. That's his that's his personality. That's just the way that he rolls, I think, is what you see from him on the mound and the and the way that he looks. That's just that's just Zach Ranke. He, he don't do care. You think, do you think that he'll um, keep pitching or do you think he's going to walk away? Because he looks like a guy to me that's going to walk away. I don't know. I, I, I guess he, maybe it's possible, but you know, Scotty, if you could still do it and they're still willing to give you money to do it, a lot of these guys are going to do it. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, it, it, you can only make it for so long as a professional athlete, right? Right. So if they're still going to pay you and you could still do it at, at a high enough level, 
um, and they're still offering you big bucks, yeah, I, I think he'll still pitch. Would you, if you were in his shoes and and you were not interested in, in playing anymore, you were just sick and tired of the grind, and they offered you $25 million to pitch for one season, uh, you know, like, that's probably, you're talking about, that's the kind of numbers you're talking about, right, with these big right. high-end guys like Cole. I don't think Zach Grinke makes that kind of money anymore. There was a time when he was the highest paid pitcher in baseball. Yeah, he's still on that. He's still on that big contract he signed a few years back. So he's still making a good amount of money. Right. So, but that's what I'm saying. Like if, if somebody offered him now, they're, you know, what are they going to offer him maximum for one year? 25 million. Okay. Okay. So would you take it if you were him, you would, you would, so for what you said earlier, you would do it just for the money. Because, you know, you're not going to ever see it again. You, you might as well just go one year, take the 25 mil, put it in the bank, and you never have to work another day the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, I would do it, obviously. Let's see what Granky's got. He signed a six-year, $206 million deal uh, before the 2016 season. So, so he doesn't deal, need any money. He's got one more year left on his deal. He will make, Scotty, next year $32 million. Zach Granky okay, next well, year. So there you go. So when he's done with that $32 million, the, the most he'd ever make again would be $20, 25000000 million. No one's ever going to give him more than what he's making now uh, no, when he's old and washed. Yeah. yeah. So it, it sounds to me like what he's going to do is, oh, here's Foles fumbling. I mean, this guy Foles, honestly, uh, well, let me just hold that thought for a second. I want to go back to Grinky. Grinky is he's, he's going to finish that contract. That's what he's going to do. He's going to get his $200 million. He's going to finish the last year. He's going to get his $32 million, and that'll be that. And then he'll never pitch again. I can guarantee you that, because he already looks like he's got one foot out the door. Now, here's Foles. Um, my feeling on Foles is this, is that, A, I just saw him fumble. They're at the you know 15-yard line of the box. This guy drops back to pass. He's standing at the 28-yard line. He knows that he's got pressure coming right in his ear. He can see it out of the corner of his eyes without a doubt. Without a doubt, he can see the pressure coming. He can see the, 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 the end. He's going to take his head off. He knows he's going to get hit. And yet he still cocks back to throw a pass that would have never worked anyway because he was running backwards when he got hit. But he tried to cock his arm and throw the ball anyway. My feeling is when you're in big trouble and you're a great quarterback and you're at the 15-yard line in the red zone and you drop back to the 28 to make a pass and you know you can't complete the pass and you know you're in trouble, why don't you just throw the ball away? Get rid of it. Throw it to the sideline. Do whatever. Even take a five-yard penalty for and loss it down with an intentional grounding, I swear to God, rather than sack and fumble at the 28, and they just lost the entire drive. You know why I say this? Because I'm convinced, and I've said this on Coast to Coast and Pharrell on the bench, over and over on Sports Grid, is that he sucks. <laughs> he is nothing more than a hack backup, and always will be. I said it today on the TV, is that he had one great day one great game in his life. It just so happened to be the Super Bowl, where he was the MVP of Super Bowl 52, right? This guy has never played another game even remotely close to that day. And you got to give him credit that he did it. I mean, I won't deny that the guy pulled off a miracle and 
I won that bet against the Patriots. That was an incredible day for Foles, MVP, the whole deal. But Carver, you have to admit he's never played even remotely close to that ever again. He never had a day, let let alone a game or a season or even a quarter of a season or a half of a season. He has never amounted to a hill of beans since that day. And he has fleeced Jacksonville and now Chicago uh, for all this money. I mean, he reminds me of uh, Kirk Cousins, who's the greatest bank robber in NFL history with his $90 million deal. And he isn't worth Shaq. Uh, Meanwhile, Foles is making all this money now. And he, I mean, this guy is as bad as it gets, Uh, honestly. If I'm the coach and I see my guy running backwards from the 15 to the 30 yard line and still taking the sack and fumbling, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? What are you, a rookie? Who does that? Who runs backwards and gets sacked and fumbles knowing that you're at the 15, you're in the red zone, you're, you know, uh, your chance of scoring, every step you take backwards is your odds go out the window, right? Your percentages of scoring now, this is their drive. It was five plays, eight yards, and 201. So uh, remember, the Buccaneers had a 10-play, 66-yard drive, took 545, and they got a suck-up field goal from 25 yards out. Good. That gives them the lead, 19-17, right? So then that was on fourth and one at the uh, Bears seven. They get the field goal. They go up 19-17. They kick off. And then um, first down, Foles pass incomplete to Mooney. Uh, Second and 10, Foles sacked at the Chicago 16 for a nine-yard loss. Third and 19, Foles pass incomplete deep right to Ginn. Penalty on Tampa. Roughing the passer, 15 yards, first down. First down, Foles, pass short right to Miller uh, for two yards. He threw a two-yard pass. Second down and eight at the Chicago 33. Foles, pass incomplete short to Mooney. Carver High, how would you describe the chaos that has happened here uh, during the broadcast? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. When things like that happen, obviously, uh, you know, we're all doing this in different places, and uh, internets do crash, and we were able to eventually get you back in the mix. So I mean, I'm trying so, to get the show back up while also trying to call you. So there was a couple things going on there, that's for sure. So when I had uh, the issue initially, uh, the first thing I thought was, uh, how did this happen? And how how did it crash? So I went into uh, Gunner's room, and he's in there. He's got a lot going on in there. He's playing basketball, indoor nerf. He's got the PS4 going. He's got the football game going. He's got his, uh, you know, school laptop open doing homework computer rock and it's all happening in there it's like a it's like the pentagon in his room right so i initially uh blamed him i was like what have you done uh, you've knocked me off the air what what did you plug in what did you do what have you sent what has happened why is the internet crashed and then uh i you know i cussed him out then uh he cussed back and then i told him he was a smart ass and then uh, and then 34C came up uh, screaming and then I lit her up because she just was, you know, I have no idea. But she she was mad that I was mad at him. And then I was wondering if Chop had done it downstairs with her. Uh, she has no clue what she's doing and she's on computers left and right. And the whole house. I mean, my house is like literally the Pentagon. I got all this stuff going on. 
everybody's online, everybody's got PS4s going, everybody's got video games going, everybody's got computers and homework going and everything else. And I'm sitting here trying to do this show and uh, they don't care about that at all. So uh, when it crashed, I was like, you, you know, just my language alone was so awesome because I literally was cussing so loud. The dog ran under a table and hid, it was shaking. The house was shaking. Uh, my wife was screaming. My son was talking back to me, thinking he's a, a hard ass now because he's 15. He thinks he can dance with me. And that's just not going to go well for him. And then uh, the young one downstairs doesn't even care. She's just like, this is normal. Hearing him screaming is normal. Me cussing people out, normal. I got to tell you, though, I was lit as a mother forelder. All right, so Joe just told me uh, while he was making a sandwich, uh, and he really, it was like a eggplant sandwich. I have no idea how you make that, but he only eats like sissy foods like that. He doesn't eat any junk food like I eat. I eat everything in sight. Pizza, strombolis, bags of Doritos, nothing slows me down. Orville Redenbacher, you name it, I'll eat anything. Ice cream sorbet, ice cream cones. Ice cream bars, ice cream sandwiches. I mean, you name it, I'll eat it. Uh, Iowa State, he told me uh, to that he's taking over Texas Tech, and apparently that means he's laying the 12 and a hook. And then uh, Kansas State and TCU is also playing. They're playing in Fort Worth. That's TCU laying eight and a half. And I mean, I'm just looking in terms of games, right? So there's other games. These are Those are all like the big school games and conference games. Now, Charlotte, North Texas, Charlotte's laying three at North Texas. Marshall laying seven and a half at Western Kentucky against the Hilltoppers. Louisiana Tech's home laying two touchdowns to UTEP. South Florida is home in Tampa laying four and a half to East Carolina. Navy playing in Annapolis, uh, getting three and a half from Temple. Temple favored there. FAU Southern Miss has been postponed. And then... Middle Tennessee and Florida International. Florida International at home laying four and a half south of the Okeechobee Whiskey, south of Miami. FIU, no joke. They go southbound, son, like the Florida Keys. Also, uh, Texas State and Troy. Troy laying seven at home. Arkansas State laying 14 and a hook to Central Arkansas. BYU's ranked. They're laying 34 and a half to Texas San Antonio. Army's laying 31 to Citadel. And then Liberty's laying 19 and a hook to Monroe. And then UAB Rice was postponed. That's it. That's every game. So we basically told you about every single game in college football. I told you Houston would win tonight and cover, and they did. They won by 18, and they were getting their ass beat earlier. So there you go. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.